You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where, of course, we talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes, the West Indianapolis Community News, and the Fieldhouse. And today is Monday, July 20th, which means very little of significance, but it does mean we have reached the week where the Pacers play televised basketball for the first time since March 10th. On Thursday, we can see the Pacers play the Blazers. And that means we got to keep previewing this bubble stuff because the Pacers come back this week today. Specifically on this show, we're talking about the last group of positions that we have not talked about uh, for position group previews in the bubble. Adam talked about the centers last Thursday, talking about Goga and the Turbonus pairing, what to watch for and all that. I talked about every forward on the roster last Friday, what to look out for for all them. Today, we're getting to the guards, which should be a fun little group. But first, uh, because this first segment's only going to be on Naz Long and Jeremy Lamb, I want to update you on the scrimmages a little tiny bit. They're not going to be that crazy, and this is sort of a news dump at the same time. But the scrimmages that start Thursday, the one on Thursday against the Blazers, will actually be shortened. Uh, instead of 48 minutes, it'll be 40 minutes, kind of like FIBA games. For those of you watching international games, 10-minute quarters over there. Uh, Nate McMillan mentioned that when he was talking about the scrimmages himself. So don't expect that one to have like the most normal rotation ever. You know, guys will see their minutes reduced and some guys could end up playing more anyway just because these games are scrimmages, not real games. Uh, and then something else McMillan mentioned that is kind of super more interesting that doesn't relate to the guards, just relates to the team in general. Uh, there's been some soft tissue issues in practice, which not – you know, not. It's hard to say the right words here. I wanted to say it's not a worry, but it. You know, it's an injury, right? So, in the way that you would worry about it is that it's an injury, but it's the expected injuries, right? These are the ones that. You know, when I asked all the guys on the roster, what do you think the challenges are of playing in the bubble? Sabonis, you know, brings up ish, injuries and soft tissue injuries. Depot sitting out for this reason, stuff like that. Well, if Depot may be sitting out for this reason, whatever. So. Not to be unexpected, you know, they're ramping up activity really quick. That's why they shortened the first scrimmage is because they want guys to not go full game right away. So this is not unexpected stuff. But Sabonis dealing with soft tissue stuff, he probably will not play in any of the scrimmages. Definitely not the first one, probably not the second one. He's been missing some stuff at practice. Same with Goga. And then uh, also limited at practice, according to McMillan, uh, Jakar Sampson and Malcolm Brogdon. So... Be on the lookout for those guys to be limited in some capacity, possibly in the scrimmages, if they do play at all. Uh, but we could see some TJ Leaf at center, which is not something I anticipated when I talked about the forwards last week. But regardless, today's about the guards. And now that we have more info about the scrimmages, who might play, who might not, uh, with injury stuff, it's a little easier to formulate some kind of stuff. I wish I knew that info before we talked about the forwards. But that's okay. Let's talk some guards for today. And the first segment, so how I did this last Friday – for the forwards is I went least playing time to most to add to the intrigue near the end. I'm going to do that again today. But the first segment is going to be two guards, Nazmi Trulong and Jeremy Lamb, who we might not see a ton from, which is why they are in the first segment. This one could be over pretty quick, especially because Jeremy Lamb has a massive knee injury and will not be playing in the bubble. So why did I include him on this list? Well, he traveled with the team, right? He did actually go to the bubble, uh, and the Pacers provided practice footage to media members uh, when the team was still practicing in Indianapolis. And Jeremy Lamb actually 
was shown putting up some jumpers. He had a knee brace on. Uh, and, he, you know, he, he's obviously injured. He can't run or anything. Well, he can't game run, whatever. But, you know, he looked he moved okay in those. And I am wondering if at any point uh, during the time the team is in Orlando in the bubble that if Jeremy Lamb will get um, the call to do media after practice and, and update media on his injury and his rehab, stuff like that. Uh, so the only thing to watch for with Jeremy Lamb is does he talk about his rehab? What do we learn about you know, how long he anticipates being out and where he's at. But he won't play. He'll be fanny packing it up, being a cheerleader, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he is in the bubble. He's with the Team Docs, who did go. So he's worth uh, he's worth a note here. Nazmi Trulong has not played for the Pacers since November, if you'll recall. Uh, he did appear in a game against the um, Milwaukee Bucks for a few minutes, the game that McConnell actually got hurt. Or I forget which point guard. I believe it was McConnell. I actually got hurt. And couldn't play, so they needed Demetri Long to play. And then again against the Brooklyn Nets the following night, he played big minutes, like like 16 minutes, and was pretty good uh, in a big win over the Nets in Brooklyn. So Demetri Long has not played for the Pacers since then. Uh, has Bell's palsy diagnosis this year and some various other injuries. So tough season for him, but he is with the team in the bubble now in a better, much better health status. There is a chance we see him. Um, in some of these scrimmage games, especially with Brogdon, you know, not fully in game shape yet uh, and recovering from COVID, his conditioning may not be the best. I will discuss that in uh, Brogdon's segment later on. And then, you know, if Depot doesn't play, especially all of a sudden your guard rotation uh, for these scrimmage games is just Sumner, McConnell, Aaron Holiday. You might need me true long just to balance out the minutes a little bit. So watch with what to watch for with Naz is interesting that we don't know a ton about him just because he didn't get a ton of playing time. Uh, with the pro squad, not great stats. Uh, he shot pretty well when he got inside the arc. His three ball, though, he took a ton of threes that didn't really fall. So if his three falls, that's great. He needs it to stick because he's on a two-way contract right now. But now that he's played this season, oh, I guess this is his third year of service. You know, he can only get one more year of the two-way contract. He's trying to prove he belongs in the NBA. He's 26. He's on the wrong side of, of the young now. So he's got to prove that he can belong. So... Basically, does he show that he can knock down that three like he uh, has shown in the G League? Because he needs to he needs to show an NBA skill to stick. And so far, he hasn't really done that. He's he's a fine you know break glass in case of emergency injury guy, but you know, he's not going to win you a ton of games or anything like that. So just if he shows any skills, that'd be great. But Lamb and Naz really not going to be impact guys down there. Just minor stuff to watch with them. Do, does Naz look more developed? Where's Jeremy Lamb at in his rehab? That kind of minor stuff. So. The next segment is going to be, we're going to talk about uh, Edmund Sumner, Aaron Holiday, and TJ McConnell. Much more interesting guys uh, to think about what their impact on the team could be in the bubble. And uh, think they have some, some much more pressing questions. But before we talk about them, we're talking about today's title sponsor. Again, the people at rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like your mortgage or your food or Bill Bar or any of our other lovely sponsors also. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store when you could just get it at rockauto.com for way cheaper? rockauto.com, family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for years. They have everything you could possibly need. Motor oil, new carpet, classic daily stuff. Uh, It's easy if just it takes a few clicks and it comes straight to your door, that rockauto.com catalog is unique, easy to navigate, and their prices are always low. So why would you not buy your stuff there? If you go to rockauto.com right now, 
see all the parts available for your car, and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. It's the best place to buy car parts. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need. RockAuto.com. So a much more interesting crop of guys here, and infinitesimally more interesting if Depot sits out, is the Aaron Holiday, TJ McConnell, Edmund Sumner trio. Um, so we talked to Sumner. I asked him about playing, uh, and he's, you know, he's excited to play. Obviously, he's a young guy, but also for him, another chance to prove himself, right? Because a lot of times Sumner gets these appearances when the injuries break his way, or even they just need a spark and he shows some skills. He's good in transition. He's good on defense. He's a good finisher inside. He's not a good shooter in the pros. He's been great in the G league has not translated. So I was looking forward to seeing him play in the bubble. However, obviously, Victor playing would be much more important and better for the Pacers in general. But starting off with Sumner in this group, you know, does he play? I'm assuming he would get an opportunity well before Naz. So almost assuredly, we'll see Sumner play in the scrimmage games and maybe even the first couple regular season games. But what kind of role does Sumner get is all I'm looking for with him. Because, you know, he's on the roster next year. And I think the year after that, I don't remember his exact contract right now. Um, but looking out for his role and what it could project as going forward, depending on how he plays and how he fits in the rotation, will be very interesting to watch because I think he's really good. That's not a secret for those of you who have been listening to the show for a while. Great little player, got a lot of skills, and I think he could be really special if he can put it, not like an all-star or anything, but I think he could be a very useful and helpful player if he could put it all together. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays down there when he gets minutes. You know, he gets, got injured so much this year, really broke up its rhythm. I I really hope he gets a shot. But anywho, that's all the watch for for him is just like what kind of role does he get when he plays? How does he show up? You know, does, does he knock down some threes or does he does he fit well with a certain player? Does he show chemistry with this or that? I think that's the kind of stuff you want to see from a young guard who just got an extension, right? So he's locked in with the score for a while. The other two guys um, almost guaranteed a role. So Aaron Holiday was probably going to get a huge role before Depot uh, flip flopped and decided that he might play. He'll still probably get a role as the backup shooting guard, or at least the nominal shooting guard, probably. Uh, kind of a point guard, but kind of shooting guard. For Aaron Hall and I wrote down a role, playing time, continuing through point percentage. So we just had this discussion in the Fieldhouse group chat. I forget who brought it up. I think it was Will Furr. Um, but Aaron Holiday, lights out shooter this year, right, from deep on decent number of attempts. Three and a half a game, he hit 40% almost of his threes. That's really good. And he takes a lot off the dribble shots, right? It's not like his threes are... Uh, you know, he takes spot up shots. Everybody does on the Pacers because of the way they play. Um, but you know, his, his three pointers are uh, only eighty, about eighty percent assisted for his career. So he's taking one in every five threes off the bounce too. So that's a really healthy percentage. Really good skill set. If he can maintain that, you know, that's a big skill for him to show. Given that his his ability to finish at the rim and really inside the arc at all hasn't really materialized as a pro yet. If he can continue to show that three point shooting in the bubble, that would be really big for his development to show that it's not a fluke he's really that good of a shooter and three and a half attempts a game's a decent amount so it doesn't look like a fluke so far but we have to see it translate and then you know what role in playing time is he going to get right if depot does play he'll probably be the backup two guard 15 20 minutes every night uh you know how much are they letting him run the offense versus mcconnell probably way more mcconnell but you never know you know as they transition into aaron holiday's third year do they try to start force feeding him a little bigger role now and if debo doesn't play he's going to start he's going to play 20 to 30 minutes a game you know how does he fit in with that group how does he fit in way more off the ball that's the kind of stuff you watch with aaron holiday because one you know he's going to be with the pacers for a long time barring a massive trade so you know seeing who he fits with with this core 
and who he can be really useful with is important. Even if it's only eight games, right? We're still learning a lot. And McConnell, McConnell, McConnell. I mean, I the thought McConnell was junk for the first three games of the season. Turns out he's perhaps the most important bench player. What a what a turn for him. He's been so good this year. So good in transition. So good at probing, finding his teammates. Great chemistry with Sabonis and uh, Justin Holiday and McDermott. He's just a great player. But the question I have written for him, right? He's going to be the backup point guard. He's going to play. He, you know, talked to media today. He's not, you know, he, he's ready for games. He's just excited for the games. But how does he perform in the playoffs, right? I asked when I had Sixers Adam on a few weeks ago to talk Sixers and how their Sixers are going to prepare for the playoffs. I asked him straight up about Aaron Holiday because as great as Aaron Holiday has been for the Pacers, his limitations are so obvious and how, or they're so obvious how they will be exploited in a postseason, right? He's short. He can't shoot from three at all, so he has to have the ball to be a positive. His defense is good, but mostly it's just like on-ball pestering. His off-ball defense is not the best. Like, there are reasons that he's not playing 30 minutes a game in the NBA because he has a bunch of limitations. So, and role players in the playoffs often get picked on. So, can he, you know, his minutes in the playoffs are going to be important because if he's playing 20 minutes or even more in the postseason, that's because they're going well. That's because that bench unit with him in it is still rolling. So, if he's playing a lot in the playoffs, I think that bodes well for the Pacers. And I think he can do well, right? It's not like anything about his skill set is going to be just ripped away in a slowed-down game. I think his, a lot of his transition opportunities will be gone, but the way he probes on offense and has this chemistry is not going to go away. Teams can really hone it, own in on it, but I mean, he can he can get around guys and get into the paint and make defenses bend even without a screen. I mean, usually it takes a screen, but I think he'll do well uh in any role so i'm looking forward to seeing how he does in the playoffs because i mean that is where the the holiday mcconnell stuff next year could get interesting is like say mcconnell just looks useless in the postseason when teams can really zone in on him but aaron holiday's three-point shot becomes more important you know maybe you see some of those minutes shift next year from mcconnell to aaron holiday because mcconnell will be on the last year of his year where aaron holiday is in the third year of a possibly a bunch with the pacers since they drafted him restricted free agency they can keep him for a while so you know, the playoffs could be a good turning point for Aaron Holiday to show what he can really bring to the bench unit, to the backup point guard spot, and really to his shooting. So, really looking forward to watching those two guys. I still, again, McConnell's definitely better right now, but just to see how they do and how that projects going forward will be very fascinating. And this group of reserve guards, you know, they have a lot to show. They're really good. There's a reason the Pacers bench has been so good. I'm looking forward to watching them. But the big two, there's a reason they're the big two. They get their own segment because... There's been hype about their pairing for forever. Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, last two on the bubble preview position groups. Let's talk about them. Man, what could we possibly talk about with Victor Oladipo? I mean, there's nothing interesting going on with him recently. It's, I mean, it's like boring to me to talk about will he play, will he won't play. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping we'll find out the day you're listening to this, or you already have found out by the time you're listening. But you know, I just, I'm so over the discourse around his decision to play. It got really weird really fast like his reasoning all made sense and i totally get being frustrated as a fan you want to see the team win but like it's not like calling him a, qu- a quitter and stuff was so weird so the discourse got so weird i don't like talking it, it just got really annoying to talk about i just want to talk about basketball but anyway does he play is the story for him makes sense if he doesn't makes sense if he does who knows how much you know he gets could the league could strip away his payments if he doesn't play there's a lot to monitor maybe the pacers haven't figured it out yet but we gotta, we gotta imagine. You know, I'm not gonna just say, does he play? Does he not play? Because he played in 13 games this season, and they didn't really go that well. Um, the last couple went good. You know, he dueled with Luka Doncic. He had a huge fourth quarter against the Celtics. Showed off some of the skills. 
that you know he fit with the starters, which is important because they were you know they were using him with the bench weirdly when he rejoined the rotation. Finally, putting him with the guys he's going to play with more, the guys they signed to fit with him, you know, finally made sense. Well, f- I'm excited in the bubble to watch if he plays, you know, how he continues to fit with that starting group that they've built for him. Right, Brogdon seemingly the perfect fit in the backcourt. T.J. Warren, a good bailout possessions guy from double teams, the guy they kind of hoped Tyreek Evans could be. I feel like is with T.J. Warren kind of is on offense. bonus, another safety valve kind of guy who can help him out. So he's got a better fitting pieces. How does he fit in with those guys if he does play? The other thing is just, you know, how much, what does he look like? Does he look more like 18-19 Vic or 19-20 Vic? That's huge because, you know, even 18-19, if he was the worst all-star in the East, he was still an all-star in the East. Like, this is a 19.6 rebounds, five assists dude who is a really good defender. Like, that's a good-ass player. I get that he wasn't the most efficient scorer that year, but still really good. Got up a bunch of threes, like, I really enjoyed watching Vic that season, even if he was clearly a tick worse than he was in 17-18. So um, I don't expect him to poss- probably ever reach the 17-18 level again, but if he can look more like his 18-19 self, that'd be huge, right? Mainly the confidence at the rim because, you know, the three was clearly bad, but coming around, he took a lot of, you know, not great three-point attempts, but the twos were just, the twos were rough, right? He could hit his elbow jumpers, he could hit his mid-rangers. As soon as he got within five, ten feet of the basket, Things were terrible. Shot 40% from 0 to 3 feet. His career low before that was above 55%. So he balled out from the mid-range, which inflates his two-point percentage. But I'll be really watching with Vic. You know, does he have the chops to really get to the rim? Fearless finishing, not afraid of landing, all that stuff. Because his three is going to be fine, right? He's, if he's fearless to take them now, they'll go in eventually. He basically can only work on shooting for so long when he was injured. So does his drives to the rim look better if he plays? How does he feel with Brogdon and the rest of the starters? I'm really psyched about that. And guess what for Brogdon I'm looking at? Some of the same stuff, right? Because Brogdon at Media Day, that was the first thing I wanted to talk to him about was, hey, man, like, you're, you've are you never played point guard before, so you're switching positions. And to me, that clearly signals if the team really think, I mean, yeah, we knew he could be point guard from his skills in Milwaukee, but, you know, the team is saying, okay, you know, we're going to switch you positions. We think you're such a good fit with Victor Oladipo. And I thought that was right. I think that's a safe bet still, even though both guys have had a you know a relatively down season compared to expectations. I really want to see more of their fit because they only they think they played ten games to get together, maybe less than that. Eight is like almost doubling the sample size we see of Brogdon Oladipo, and I'm really eager to see how they fit together in these eight games. It should be great, and there's some Brogdon stuff to monitor in general with his conditioning, both from you know recovering from a virus, right? How does that impact his? conditioning level in general it's unclear what kind of impacts that might have but also because of the virus right he couldn't practice for a long time so that impacts his ability to ramp up quickly and stuff like that there's a reason mcmillan described him as limited on the media call on sunday so perhaps we see lower minutes for brogdon or some kind of reduced role excuse me my chair is the loudest thing in the world um to, to, to ease him in a little more into the games. Maybe the scrimmages he doesn't play as much or he plays less minutes or uh, early regular season returns, stuff like that. Because, you know, he's he's kind of frail already, so they have to be careful with his minutes. If he gets hurt, the team's in a lot of trouble. But another thing to monitor is sort of like Vic, is like Brighton kind of had a bunch of mini seasons, right? He was really good through about mid-December, like amazingly good through like mid-December to the point of clearly being the best player on the Pacers, even better than Sabonis until then. And then he was really not good <laughs> from December through whenever his recovered from his leg injury. And then he was 
pretty solid after the All-Star break when he did play, but he got hurt again. So, you know, what Brogdon did, did the Pacers get? Did they get the version they got before he hurt his leg after the All-Star break? That would be nice. Did they get the early season version? That would be huge. Or do they, especially in seeing his fit with Vic, if they get that early season version? Or do they get the slumping winter Brogdon? So, uh, there's a lot to watch for with him. And if Depot does play, though, I think a lot of it is, you know, which one of them guards the other team's best player? If it's even one of them. It could be T.J. Warren. You know, who has the ball more often? How to, how, what kind of two-man actions uh, intertwine those two guys? I mean, I know they're both really excited about playing together, and they just haven't had a ton of opportunities. And they've basically had no opportunities at full health. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how they fit together, what kind of roles they get down there. So, I mean, with a lot of the guards, just given their short and long-term outlook, a lot of what I'm watching for with them is, what kind of role do they play, and what do they do with it? You know, if they give Edmund Sumner big minutes and he's terrible, that might really change my tone about how I think about Edmund Sumner's future. I think he's just got a good chance to be good right now. I would not if he did terrible in that instance. If they give Vic and Brogdon big minutes together and things don't, and they look healthy but they don't look good on the court at the same time, you know that'll bring up questions next offseason. What are you? What's going on with this pairing? What if Aaron Holiday shoots horrible from three? What if T.J. McConnell's terrible in the playoffs? Like these. There's a lot of stuff that could really alter the Pacers' future from this guard group just because they lean so heavily on some of these guys. So it's going to be very fascinating to watch, and this is probably the, the, the most interesting position group to me. Well, besides Turbonus, I guess. But I'm really excited for the bubble, and we get games this week. Uh, hope So far, so good on the safety stuff, and that is helping me be a little more excited. Uh, but if, there, you know, if there's a crack in the bubble or a pop, I guess would be the more effective word. Um, then, you know, maybe we'll change my tune there. But so far, so good on the safety stuff. Hopefully that continues, of course. Uh, everybody stay safe. We will preview games on Wednesday. And, you know, we'll have a Blazers guy come on. It'll be like normal basketball covering times for these scrimmages. So stay tuned for that stuff later this week. No idea what's coming tomorrow, but uh, stay tuned for it. It's going to be awesome because it's going to be me again. Uh, and Adam will be back Wednesday. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.